What's up, buddies? My name is Ty Richardson. This is the Morning Fast Break. Going to start with the Minnesota pitcher who beat out his friend for the state championship. We'll get into some NBA conversation in a sec, but I wanted to hit on that first. So ironically, the kid's name is Ty, the pitcher who struck out his friend Jack in the state championship to win the game. And instead of celebrating it with his teammates immediately, he sprinted to home plate to meet Jack and console him and hug him after the win. I have never experienced a situation where I have a chance to beat my best friend for a state championship. The one state championship team I was on in high school was our Little Rock Christian soccer team. Unfortunately, I tore my ACL on church league basketball, of all things, earlier in the season. So I did not get to participate and beat Harrison. Harrison, we had lost to the two previous years in the playoffs, and so it felt very good. Sophomore year, they were the better team. Junior year, we were the better team, and we still lost. And then our senior year, we were the better team. We either won 2-1 or 2-0. I can't remember. I know Jess scored both goals in that game. And I can't remember if they scored a goal or not. But it was either 2-0 or 2-1. But I didn't know a single guy on that team from Harrison. Not a single one. And I remember thinking to myself, man, I wish I could have played in this game. <laughs> and that's that thought has occurred to me over and over again because I either would have started or I would have played significant minutes at center defensive back. Which, but that's beside the point. So Ty consoles his kid, his friend Jack, and there's media upcry from both sides saying, "Oh, this is awesome!" Commending Ty for what he did, and then there's other people saying, "I hate this. What happened to competition? What happened to going at each other?" And I wanted to look at this and just kind of think about that. And I'm kind of straddling the fence at this point because I I agree with both sides in a sense and in certain areas. I we played when I was growing up. I played for Arkansas Soccer Club, and I had a bunch of friends on Little Rock Football Club, and we met in the state championship. And they scored a kid named Jack Ferreira scored a goal with about ten minutes left, and they ended up beating us either two one or three two. Remember, this is me back in slash late elementary school so it's a long while but I have a pretty good memory so I remember that and it goes over our keeper's head and they score in the state championship I congratulate a lot of their guys because they won but it's just an emotional moment but I don't remember anyone immediately heartbroken that we lost and end up going to the sidelines and end up shaking the guy's hands a lot of which I knew and remember I knew a lot of these kids that are on the other team and these these games that we played were often intense, and we all uh, we lost. I think every single one of them, except for one, that we played over a number of years. But it was it was a lot of fun. This move, uh, I'll get to the point where people are happy about it. It's been characterized as a great show of sportsmanship, championship that he would console his friend after doing what many dream of playing baseball growing up, and that's winning a high school state championship, he thought about his friend first. Now, they've been friends since they were 13 years old. I'm, I don't live in Minnesota with them, so I don't know how good of friends. But for Ty, the friendship was obviously valuable enough that he went to console Jack immediately after that pitch. Now, the other side of the spectrum, the criticism that's come up, is that there's too much friendship in today's sports. I think I find it the most evident in the NBA where I don't see as much going at each other and there's too much camaraderie. 
And I, I get that because I get frustrated sometimes when I see that after watching a lot of 80s and 90s basketball. But I think looking at this specific situation, now every remember, every situation's different. I think looking at this situation, Ty to do what he did. Now, if he would have consoled him mid-game or something of that nature, then I would have had a definite problem with it. And I still get the argument that, hey, celebrate your teammates first, blah, blah, blah. But I'm not going to rip into Ty for doing what he did because it was the end of the game. It's one of your good friends, guy you've known for four or five years. I'm not going to just genuinely just criticize him for what he did. I'm just going to understand the other side of, I wish he wouldn't have done that. That's kind of where I stand. Again, it's kind of straddling the fence, but it is what it is. All right, Warriors win the NBA championship for the third time in four seasons. Didn't do a podcast yesterday, so I kind of want to touch on this a little bit. The question that's come up, are the Warriors the greatest NBA dynasty we've ever seen? I think they're either the number one or number two team ever. Just from a matchup standpoint, the Lakers in the 80s, I love Kareem, but he wouldn't have anyone he could guard. And three points is more than two, even though Kareem would get his skyhook points. Not anyone, the Lakers, that could, the big men cannot handle the pick and rolls, the constant moving, the switches. They wouldn't be able to handle that, unfortunately. The 80, let's, let's go, let's call it the 86 Celtics they would not be able to guard the Golden State Warriors. And that hurts me to say because I'm a big 86 Celtics fan. 49-1 at home, considered one of the best passing teams of all time. Mikhail, Parrish, Bird, unfortunately, would be out of sorts. Either Bird would be less out of sorts, but Mikhail and Parrish would be eaten alive. The 96 Bulls would actually be interesting. If you look at the matchups, the cross matchups, Ron Harper on Steph Curry, Michael Jordan on Klay Thompson, Kevin Durant, Scottie Pippen, Andre Iguodala and Tony Kukoc and then Dennis Rodman and Draymond Green. That would actually be a really intriguing matchup. Golden State would beat them off the bench, I think. There just wasn't a lot of bench scoring from that 96 Bulls team compared. I mean, Steve Kerr and you had maybe a few other guys, but I, I look at that team and think to myself, that would probably be the only team in the 90s or 80s that I would actually give a legitimate chance of beating the Golden State Warriors because of Michael Jordan, because of the matchups they have. Now, I don't think the first, one of the first set of Bull teams could, but that team could, I think. I think if you just look at the matchups alone, they could. This Warriors team, they just have so many weapons and they play such a, a pace of play. I think also looking at what the Warriors have what the way they have to go against would you go against the 90s and 80s style play where there's hand checking and physicality like they've never seen because they all people talk about how the playoffs get physical and the Warriors start to tighten up a little bit comparatively to what they are in the regular season and that's that's characteristic of most teams in the NBA what happens in the playoffs but that being said this team is not as good when people play physical with them the Warriors, or excuse me, the, the Cavs weren't able to do that as much this year, but if you look at what the Rockets were able to do, they were able to get a little physical, with them, and it worked. And there's always going to be that that if, I know hypotheticals are hypotheticals, but that question, if Chris Paul is healthy, do they win this series? 
And I honestly don't know the answer to that question. I'd have to really dig into it a little more. But three out of four, I mean, that's a dynasty that's commendable. It's incredible. And they're just going for it. And you've had Sean Livingston and David West go in Twitter and press conference and say, you have no idea what this team went through. So I'm kind of curious what comes out about this team. If there's chemistry issues, if there's management issues that we don't know about. Speaking of management, Bob Myers, general manage, general manager for the Warriors, Durant can get whatever he's he's worth, whatever he's want. It's probably a smart thing to say. Also, Kevin Durant told Chris Haynes that he could see himself retiring at 35. I mean, if you win six or seven championships by 35 years old, I, I'm not opposed to that. It's so hard to convince athletes to go out when they're on top. That is so difficult to do. Michael Jordan was able to do it. I hope LeBron James is able to do it just because there's always going to be criticisms of him, criticisms of him. And when he gets to that stage of his career, which he's not as good as he usually is, people are going to rip him even more for not getting to where he needs to get. And I, I, it's just, it's going to be hard to convince LeBron James to go out while he's on top, unfortunately. I hope LeBron goes out after winning the championship. Uh, That's what I'm hoping for. I don't think it's going to happen, but that's what I'm hoping for. But it's not just an NBA thing, it's an athlete thing across the country to go out when they need to go out. But if Kevin Durant, if he legitimately tires at age 35 after multiple championships, already got two, two finals MVPs, I'm not going to criticize him for that. I think far too often athletes go out past their time and they're not remembered and they're not celebrated in a way they would have been if they would have gone out at the right time. And it's hard to judge when the right time is when you're so competitive and you think you have one more in you, one more season, one more championship, one more whatever. That's why it's so important and so crucial, not only in money matters for these professional athletes to get the help they need, but in just areas of their careers. Because legacy is such an important part in today's day and age, and people remember legacies different. Kevin Durant's legacy is going to be different than LeBron James' legacy and others just because of the way it's transpired. But I, I have no problem with people going out on top. It's just you don't see it as often as you would think. So we are about nine days away for the upcoming 2018 NBA draft. I told the, our listeners on Hoops Now, our final show is this Saturday because the NBA season is over. I told them that my players were Katie Bates, Diop, Ohio State forward. I really, really like him. I liked what I saw from him this season. And then my guy, Mikhail Bridges, Villanova. He's probably my favorite player on this team. And then I also like Colin Sexton, just his will, his drive, hoping he can improve his jump shot a little bit. But that's upcoming. There's been a couple interesting uh, things that have come out of late. And uh, an example is Mo Bamba is really going up the leaderboards just with his wingspan, his potential, and all of that. I, I watched him here in Nashville against Nevada. And I know it's hard for a big man sometimes, but I, I felt like he was taken out of the game. There was also, I'll mention this, there was a couple of atrocious, egregious calls made against him in that in that game. Oh, it was awful. I was so angry at what I, I was watching. 
because I thought Chaka Smart and I thought Mo Bamba got hosed in that game. And I loved what I saw from Cody and Caleb Martin and a couple other guys that really came out for the Wolfpack and played the way they did. But there was he just jumped straight up and they called foul on him. It was annoying to watch just how and he he kept his composure. That's one thing I, I'll say about him. I've been known to be a hothead at times. Got tossed out of a wreck basketball game this season was suspended for one game because there was a couple bad calls made against me and I took issue with it he did not and anytime you can see that I know it's you want to tote the line a bit a little bit you want a guy that's so fired up and so intense that he'll do whatever it takes to win but you also want a guy who's even keeled composed and all that jazz and I think what I saw from Obama this season is he has that ability to be centralized. He has that ability to stay composed. That's not a component, and that's not a characteristic that I necessarily have, as evident by me getting tossed in our rec league game this season. But yeah, Mo Bama's really going up the draft board and in a lot of NBA scouts' minds. I'm still I'm still sold that DeAndre Aiden's going to go with the Suns, and then it just kind of depends on what happens with other teams after that because I think once it hits number two, once that comes up, I think there's going to be a lot of different scenarios that pop in NBA GM's head because there's certain times, there's certain drafts you look at, what's MLB, NHL, NBA, you can know one through three. You're saying this guy, this guy, this guy, or this guy, then maybe this guy, and then this guy, and this guy, this guy. I'm not necessarily sold on what's 100% going to happen after DeAndre Hayden's gone going number one overall of the Suns. I'm just not. And I think a lot of NBA draft experts who are a lot smarter than I am when it comes to this topic would feel the exact same way that, yes, DeAndre Hayden, Arizona connection, he's going to go to Phoenix number one, and then after that, you just don't know. And I think there's a lot of different players that have potential in this draft, but I think there's a lot of different bust in this draft. And I have different opinions about others. And I know they have different games, but I I I just I'm always scared of Duke players. And I know I know what I saw from Marvin Bagley the third this season. I know how incredible he is, but I'm always worrisome of Duke players. That's just a that's a that's a thing that I have that I am that I get mad at and that I get scared of. He had Reese's Siri pop off, not Siri echo pop off in the background hearing me here in the living room which is kind of funny but yeah not not 100% sold on a lot of different players that are wowed that, that are wowing everyone else that's just me I want to touch on this right before I get out of here I'm not a huge college baseball guy but I have been watching a lot of it this weekend and as of late because of Vanderbilt and been doing that in the station because of Arkansas, where they're at. Arkansas dominates yesterday. It goes to the College World Series. Dave Van Horn is just a phenomenal coach. Five times he's been to the College World Series and at Arkansas alone. He's a couple more in Nebraska. It was just, it was cool to watch the way they did it. They just dominated South Carolina. But I also feel bad for the Auburn player against Florida if you watch that Super Regional that dropped that hit out of his glove, and then eventually went up to a home run 
you feel for Stephen Williams, who's the player for Auburn that dropped Austin Langworthy's glove or his home run. That was just going to be, if anything, a double, possibly a triple. But the way it ended up was just you, you feel bad because it hit his glove and then it went out of play. But yeah, the college baseball as of late is incredible, and I, I there it's in a really good spot because of just. There's a lot of good players, and I was I was do, producing Johnny Frank's Johnny Ballpark Frank show yesterday, and Cord Curtis, who's a guy that does news too, so he's the sports director for News Two in Nashville, was talking about how good college baseball is because a lot more players are playing college before they go to pro- the professional leagues, and that in turn helps coaches team because there's so many more good players to choose from, thus adding to the better teams. That's why these baseball games have been so good because there's so many good players now in the college ranks, which I think is awesome. And I, I, I'm hoping to see that continue across all realms of sports because I just don't like when players eventually go straight to the, the pros. And luckily we have the three-year rule for the NFL and the one-year rule for the NBA, which I think the NBA should change it like baseball. If you go, you play three years and you come out. That's but you're welcome to go out of high school, but you play three years ago. That's just me. That's another topic for another day. Bobby Reagan, he covers the NBA, college basketball, and the NBA draft for Barstool Sports. He joins me tomorrow. Gonna get his thoughts on the NBA draft, what transpired in the finals, and more. Don't want to miss that.